Get the support you need, literally, from our partner Handful, the maker of Katie and Mai's favorite sports bras. Choose from seven styles of bras in an array of colors. My favorite is the Y-Back in white camo. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HANDFULAMR15. This episode is brought to you in part by Jiminy's, maker of sustainable dog food made with cricket protein. Cricket protein is a superfood. Delicious, nutritious, sustainable, humane, and prebiotic. To learn more and save 20% off your first purchase, go to Jiminy's.com AMR and use code AMR20 at checkout. Thanks to Calm, the number one mental wellness app and my favorite meditation app for supporting another mother runner. Go to calm.com slash AMR for a limited time offer of 40% off your Calm premium subscription with hundreds of hours of programming, unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and fresh content added every week. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hi, Sarah. And I should say we're recording this a week earlier than usual because I'm headed to Rancho La Puerta for work. Yes, life is rough. Somebody had to take the bullet for the team. I offered to. Um, um, So as we record this, it is before the New York City Marathon. But as people listen, am I correct? This will be after the New York City Marathon when they if it comes out a week from Friday because the race is this as we're talking on November 3rd the race is this weekend yes yes this is correct it is on this coming Sunday yes. which will be after after this is uh this drops yeah yeah so um so is your stomach just tied up in knots because oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my stomach has been tied up in knots for like two weeks prior wow. I'm like a complete uh nervous bundle of energy um <laughs> it's crazy and i don't know why this continues to this day this this will be my 10th new york city marathon and fun fact i miscounted and thought the last time i ran new york city <laughs> marathon was the 10th time. i think i even talked about it on this podcast I think you did oh my gosh so it's the 10th <laughs> over again <laughs> just keep the 10th New York City Marathon over and over and over. <laughs> oh my goodness. So did you like get out, you know, some journal or like, how did you figure? Yeah, where- yeah. so like I keep, I, I'm a, like, I do keep notes, but I'm so, I'm just sloppy note keeper. And there was like in a notebook handwritten and, uh-huh. and then like I had started on one page and then had to continue to another page. And I'm like, you know, I probably should sit down and, and transcribe all this. My my daughter encouraged me to do it because she is a very neat note taker. Nice, <laughs> like, nice. This is a mess. You gotta take, you gotta, you gotta transcribe this. So I did, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. That's only nine New Yorks. <laughs> I, I need to issue a correction. Uh <laughs> so here I am issuing the correction. <laughs> and, okay, so this is this is truly tenth uh, New York City marathon. But and how many total marathons? This will be number fifty-seven. Wow, that yeah. is very impressive. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. And you know, of course, it's over the course of uh, thirty years. Um, 
because I started when I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really got to dial the clock back for that one. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but you know what? My friend who I'm running with, her name's Jody, and Jody, it will be her 10th New York City Marathon as well. But here's, here's something even cooler uh-huh. and, and amazing. It's going to be her 100th marathon. <gasps> wow. I know. Isn't that just something? Oh my goodness. Yep. Yep. She likewise started. She actually started when she was five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I mean, how are you all going to mark the occasion? Well, we are going to have to mark the occasion, aren't we? Um, yeah. She's going out with her family in New York after the marathon. She's got a, She took a, got a hotel room. She's staying in the city. Uh-huh. So she, um, she, she's going to go out with her family and we're going to have to do something together some other time because, um, uh, it's too complicated for she's actually going to just cross the finish line and go to the restaurant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that's a little bit too much for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. So Tish, I mean, you know, 10th New York 57th marathon, yet you still have these anxious butterflies in your stomach. Like, do you think you'd be feeling this way for any marathon? Is it specifically New York? Is it because oh. of time off from the pandemic? I mean, is, are you just wired um, that way? I, I think I'm wired. I think all of those things <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm wired that way. I mean, it's definitely weird to, I mean, I haven't, I haven't run a race in two years. In fact, New York 2019 was um, oh. the last big race I did. I did do another half marathon after that, but you know, this, this was like, you know, the signature event. This was also my first marathon and, and a signature event in another way. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's super exciting. Um, uh-huh. I, I love all of that. Why do we get so nervous? Do you get nervous still? You know, I was so delighted when I had, um, I did half marathon relay about a week and a half ago. And as I was brushing my teeth, I suddenly realized that I wasn't gagging as I often do on (laughs) race morning as I brush my teeth so much so that when, um, before doing Nike women's 2007, which started the, as you know, because you were involved that started this whole, another mother runner party, I was in the hotel room and I just was dry heaving like over my toothbrush. And I vowed, right. I'm like, that's it. I'm not brushing my teeth on marathon mornings anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's the answer. Never mind the marathon or the nerves. Just don't brush your teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor, it hurts when I laugh. Well then stop laughing. So yeah, so I was so pleased. I'm like, look, I'm not nervous. That's fabulous. Um, but you know, a marathon is a different animal than yes. a half marathon yeah. relay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I don't mean to diminish your half marathon relay at all because that yes. that's a short distance could be a lot harder in many kind of ways, right? Uh, yeah. To go past. Yeah. It, it does seem to me to be um, for me, it's more marathon, and I guess that's because of the um, amount invested in terms of time training. Yeah. And also, you know, there's, I mean, like, I want to say there's more on the line. It's not like I'm gonna do any world record. I'm not saying the world record this time. Sorry, you need to point, not this time. point yeah. to all your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a marathon is such a uh, toll on the body that it's not like you can do a do over, you know, yes. if, if it's yes. not a perfect day. Um, yes. Yes. And also I have to say the logistics of New York city. Oh my gosh. It's, and it's worse this year because of the pandemic. Um, we're, we're getting on a bus, um, to go to the start line. We're getting the last bus out of town is at 6 45 AM. We don't start running until 1120. (gasps) 
Yeah. That's a whole lot of downtime. That's a whole lot of downtime sitting on in cold, cold weather, which is appropriate for today's topic, sitting in Uh cold and, um, and also just, you know, like eating time. Like I usually get up and do even my long runs. I run at an air quote late time of 7am. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm not, I'm not running at noon usually. And Boston's like that too, as you know, know. that later start. And it's just challenging with the with the eating, right? With the, with the eating and the other end of eating, uh, yeah. the pooping. I mean, yeah. you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. okay, the shoot got cleared, but that was a long time ago. Is, yeah. Is that, you know? <laughs> Things are backing up again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like airplanes at, a, at an That's airport. Right. They just keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> New York airport's getting backed up again. Right. <laughs> Maybe the yeah, Holland Tunnel or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you wrote me a lovely, lovely thank you note. Thank you so much for the thank you note. Um, because I sent you, um, our new shirt, the miles returned me to myself, which you're going to wear in the New York city marathon. So excited for that. And, um, a hoodie. And so you were thanking me for that. And you, you said also, um, that I should pray to the weather gods, um, it's, um, yes. I mean, what's it, what's it looking like? It's a little far out. It's Wednesday. So today it's not far out. Are you kidding? I've been checking it for the past two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a very skilled player to the weather gods. <laughs> I did just come out as an atheist on our uh, website. So, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> there's, there's that. <laughs> Um, so it's actually looking pretty good. Uh, the um, high is going to be, um, it, it, it keeps varying between 53 and 56. So you can see I'm oh. parsing this out very uh, on a granular level, because that's kind of the difference between long sleeves and short sleeves in my book. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and then there's also the uh, issue of starting so late, right? So I'm starting close to no- yeah. noon. And then by I'm finishing what at like 4.30 or 5 o'clock. And the time will have changed and yes. the sun will be sit- setting. Mm-hmm. So what do all these things mean? I'm not sure yet. Um, arm warmers. Do they mean arm warmers? warmers? I, you know, I, I prefer long sleeves that you just roll up and I'm probably going to do that. But, but then mm-hmm. there's also the part of me that's like, oh, no, you're going to be too warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that's what you have to decide, whether you dislike being overheated or chilly. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a fine line. It is, it is. So, and that does indeed lead us right into our topic, which is um, how to run in any weather. I, I realize this should really be how to run in any winter weather, but you know, with winter on its way, I figure it's time to address all sorts of weather because winter doesn't mean the same thing in all parts of the country. I think so many people think snow, but for our friends and runners down in the Southern half of the country, it could mean rain like it does here in the Pacific Northwest. It could mean wind. So wanted to get an expert and I'm delighted with the woman I found, Robin Lalonde, who's a certified run and triathlon coach who lives in the Chicagoland area, a place famous for its um, brutal weather. Um, A multi-time Ironman finisher, Robin, along with her husband, has run Edge Athlete Lounge, a community-based fitness facility since 2014. Robin is a mother of several adorable, very large pugs. And uh, Robin recently won a 50-mile ultra marathoner. She was the first female and the eighth finisher overall. Have to give her a shout-out for that one. Um, So stay with Tish and me. We'll talk weather with Coach Robin right after this break. We love Handful Bras and the small team of women who founded and run the brand. 
all handful products are designed by women who are guided by the stated purpose of supporting women so they can grab life by the handful. Their products are backed by the handful high five, which are the F words that they swear by. No, not that F word. The handful high five is fashion, function, feel, fun, and fight against breast cancer. In the last handful ad, I bulleted numerous ways handful helps survivors. So let's talk about Handful's amazing line of bras. There are seven styles in an array of colors and patterns. They're all made of super soft and stretchy fabrics that reduce chafe, wick moisture, and dry fast. Honestly, chafing on my bra line was the bane of my running existence. But now that I run only in Handful bras, I'm chafe free. You may know Handful bras for their removable and stackable pads. Some people love pads, others not so much. The versatility of the pads make Handful bras a great solution for women who've lost all or part of a breast to cancer or are uneven for other reasons like weight loss, breastfeeding, whatever. The pads are stackable, so you build the solution that's right for you. And if you're like my larger busted teen daughter when she plays soccer, you just forego pads entirely. The choice is yours, however you want to grab life by the handful. Head to Handful.com to check out the styles and colors of bras and order with confidence. Handful offers easy, hassle-free returns and exchanges, so your satisfaction is guaranteed. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HANDFULAMR15. Again, go to Handful.com and use promo code HANDFULAMR15 to save 15%. At Another Mother Runner, we love women-run companies like the dog food and treats brand Jiminy's, which was founded by a woman in the pet food industry, Ann Carlson, inspired by her daughter who said she wasn't sure she wanted to have her own kids because of the worsening environment. Right then and there, Ann decided she could do better. Despite the hundreds of foods and treats on the market, none of them address sustainability and climate change. So Ann founded Jiminy's, nutritious and sustainable food and treats for dogs made with cricket protein and other delicious plant-based ingredients like sweet potatoes, oats, peanut butter, and flax. Jiminy's combats climate change by switching from unsustainable agriculture to a sustainable solution utilizing less land and water while reducing greenhouse gases. It's a forward-looking shift that's adaptable as insects can be grown in small indoor spaces called vertical farms. Insect protein is truly a sustainable protein source. One 5-ounce bag of Jiminy's treats saves 220 gallons of water versus traditional animal protein types. And if you have an average-sized dog, Switching from a chicken-based diet to an insect-based diet saves 480,000 gallons of water per year. As I record this, I have a Jiminy's fan asleep at my feet. Our French bulldog, Augie, adores Jiminy's cricket crave food. He honestly eats Jiminy's with more gusto than any other food we've offered him, and he's usually not a hearty eater. To learn more and save 20% on your first purchase, go to Jiminy's.com AMR and use code AMR20 at checkout. That's J-I-M-I-N-Y-S dot com slash A-M-R with code A-M-R-20. Jiminy's dot com slash A-M-R with code A-M-R-20. As we approach the holiday season, it's important to take time for yourself, whether it's a 20-minute run, a dimity-led strength circuit on our YouTube channel, or using the Calm app to unwind and recharge. We're longtime partners with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you a variety of tools to look after yourself. Follow my lead by clearing your head and gaining insight with guided daily meditations. Improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks. And drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. By going to calm.com AMR, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming with new content added every week. I just celebrated my two-year anniversary of using the Calm app. I started out doing the 10-minute daily calm meditation first thing every morning before my run. 
I loved the clarity it gave me, and my teens even noticed I had more patience with them. A minor miracle. To keep things fresh, and because Molly recommended it, I switched to the Daily Trip, another of Calm's daily meditation series. I love the pragmatic insight of the host, Jeff Warren. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% of a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash AMR. Go to calm.com slash AMR for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash AMR. Robin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So Robin, uh, start by telling us a little bit about how you became a runner and a triathlete or a triathlete and a runner, which, which was the order? A runner and swimmer before triathlete. I, I, it was just growing up. I grew up as a runner and a swimmer and a ballerina. And when I was in college, I think I got a little bit more into running and I remember I would go out on like an hour run and cover six miles and be like, that was my Holy grail because I was middle distance runner. I had no clue kind of how to go longer or faster. I didn't understand. I just wanted to go. Uh, and then when I got to, you know, be a grown up and have, you know, a job and all of that, I just started figuring out I could go longer. And my husband, Brian is a pretty accomplished cyclist. So when he was in his early twenties, he was kind of on the circuit, you know, moving up the categories. And I got this idea probably in our mid twenties that we should start to try to do a try because he could teach me how to ride Mm. a bike and clips and I could teach him how to swim. Uh I never taught him how to swim all that well though. So I could still try to beat him. (laughs) Um, and then of course we both knew how to run and there's these great stories of him teaching me how to riding clips in our alleys because Chicago's got lots and lots of alleys and I would put my snow pants on. Like, you know, it's like driving stick. You go down when you're going really slow. Like you don't come unclipped and fall on a bike when you're going full speed because you have momentum. It's when you're, you know, you bobble yeah. when you're starting and yeah. stopping. Um, so we, you know, joke about that a lot. And yeah, got into tries, got into longer distance stuff and did yeah, I talk a lot about like that first Ironman. And I remember where I was again, middle distance runner. I remembered where I was on the run course where I felt like I ran past the version of myself that I was before. Uh. And I really didn't, I didn't understand that that was possible. Like wow. it was, you know, my coach always said like, you can do this, you know, you've done the volume, but you don't do the volume until the actual day. So I finished and thought, Whoa, what else can I do? And also wow, I think I want to get into coaching. Mm. So that was like the beginning of everything. Um, and then it snowballed from there to obviously more tries, but got more into ultras mm-hmm. and then eventually wanted to open up a hub for endurance athletes and athletes in general nice. and still running. So that's good. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I love that one race could change your life so dramatically. That's great. It was pretty immediate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out part of your favorite mantra is one we have on a t-shirt in our online store. Um, yeah. um, Which one? uh, I am stronger than I thought. Um, so yes. So tell us what that phrase means to you and did it run through your head on your recent 50 miler, which massive congratulations to you on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was a really good day. We got very blessed with some cooler weather. Uh Um, yeah, I usually use that one from Ken Schluber from the Leadville race series, which is you're stronger than you think you are. You can go farther than you think you can. Mm -hmm. And I, I love trails so much because you really truly surrender yourself to the terrain and you can do as much as you can do, but then the terrain's going to kind of 
slow you down and speed you up where you need it to. And I love thinking that it's kind of letting me know the way instead of me just like a mm. road runner, right? You try to run a perfect pace, mm. especially if it's flat. And if you put some credit into the fact that I am stronger than, than I think I am, and this trail is going to kind of help show me how that's going to shake out. Um, or I, I can go farther than I ever thought, or maybe faster than I ever thought. Mm-hmm. And it's that for me, relinquishing of power to the process and, mm. and just letting yourself find that flow state where all of the magic happens. And I don't think I found flow in a race until, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago. Mm. And then once I found it, I realized that it's, it's really in that just letting go and, and you have to, you know, just believe that you can do really great things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Um, so when I emailed you to ask you to be a guest on this episode, your response was perfect timing as we're in the middle of crazy wet slash cold fall here in Chicago. And yet it's my second favorite running weather. First is winter. Ha. So, 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 so Robin, I mean, come on, winter is your favorite running season in Scheiberg. Oh, you know, yeah, like- for sure. No, it is. I mean, it's, I didn't really appreciate it until probably seven or eight years ago. I mean, I always did it uh-huh. and I didn't complain about it, but I, you know, just geared up and went out. And then all of a sudden I realized like, if you can endure the winter, you get to own the city, especially in a big city. Mm. I mean, you basically own the lakefront path. You own any street. And I love terrible weather because it really, again, it's kind of like the trail. It makes people slow down mm-hmm. and take inventory. And, and when you finish you going back to that mantra, you're like, I did that. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a lot of power of putting all of those check boxes in your pocket when you toe the line on race day or have a challenge in life. And also the colors in winter are definitely the best. At least mm. here they are. Like the skies are just beautifully blue. You know, the whites, obviously if it snows, it's almost blinding mm-hmm. and even the dead ass trees look cool, right? They're very <laughs> ghostly and everything takes a really, truly new shape. And I just really respect it. And, you know, you get a lot of nighttime running too, which I'm also a fan of safely, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is very interesting perspective. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not saying it's comfortable. I mean, there are plenty of this morning I was running and it was 32 and I was wildly underdressed and I was pretty uncomfortable for the first 15 minutes. Um, but you know, when you turn around and get the wind from a different angle, it all changes. And it's very much like life. <laughs> You're going to always be into the wind or have it at your back. So is, is your love for, for this kind of, um, uh, challenge, shall I say, um, what inspired you to put, uh, to, to form a business, to put on this race series called the road, less traveled winter series. Yeah. The road, road, that, yeah, that, that really did kind of speak directly to doing crazy stuff at bad times. Um, so we actually started that series in the summer, uh, of 2020 because we wanted to initially put on races for, runners safely during, I mean, Chicago was in complete lockdown, but we knew that outside we could probably try to experience sport pretty safely if we stayed within the city guidelines. And then we partnered with a run club out of Hyde park, which is on the South side. And 
decided to put on the series and then donate hundred percent of the proceeds to black and brown led fitness clubs in Chicago. Mm, and we've today, now we've raised, I think over $25,000, wow. which is pretty awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Out of all the things that we've done at edge, honestly, RLT is the thing that I'm the most proud of because not only did it serve athletes, but more importantly, it helped connect and advance the community as we obviously need to make the sport more representative, more diverse, especially in a city as divided as Chicago. So we put on our initial 5k half marathon, full marathon, um, which we, you know, we didn't have to get creative with those first dates because we basically just chose the dates of races that were not happening in (laughs) Chicago. So the typical, you know, half marathon that happens during taper, into the Chicago marathon. And of course we just took the Chicago marathon date for our marathon. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't want to stop. Right. We were like, okay, we've raised, I think at that time it was like 10 grand and we were like, okay, we, we can do more. We can do better. What if we do stuff and make it run through the winter and a couple of years prior in 20, actually it wasn't 2020, which is real messed up to think of. We have a trail series. Edge has a trail series on its own that we call polar pug and flying pug. Mm -hmm. And because I mean, it is ridiculous to think about pugs in the wild. Right. (laughs) And they are trail series. And it was a 10 K and half marathon. That was in early February of 2020. Mm. And it was super cold. I mean, it was single digits cold. Uh Like we had volunteers, like we had to send them home because we were worried they were going to have frostbite. Oh yeah. Um, but the runners loved it and they were nice and toasty and they were nice and warm. And some of the runners that were at that event were these runners from gumbo fit, which is the group we ended up kind of merging with. Right. So fast forward a year later, we're like, you know, gumbo fit loved that race series. And so they were like, Oh, let's, let's bring RLT into the fall and winter. So we actually I think we only had one planned in really crappy weather, but then we just kept getting bumped because of COVID because we shut down again, just like everyone else uh-huh. around this time last year. Uh-huh. So then we we're like, okay, whatever. Um, and then our first race that was supposed to be back, I went out two days prior for a final walkthrough to mark the course. And literally the entire thing was a sheet of ice and oh. I will run in anything, but I am not going to be the one that breaks a runner. Yeah. Yeah. So it has great parking. I mean, the guys in the parking lot that were walking the parking lot because you couldn't even walk the path. It was that bad. Mm. They were like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're supposed to have a race here in two days. They're like, the hell you are. (laughs) You guys are crazy. There's no way. So, you know, you got to know when you call it too. So we said, you know, this isn't safe. And they were really great. The park district was really great and um, popped back the deposit to us, which was nice, right? Because we're donating all the money. So if we can keep more of it, there's more to give. Uh And with 36 hours to go, we pivoted and ended up holding it in the city on the lakefront path mm. at this beautiful start finish called Promontory Point. Mm-hmm. And um, when we arrived, it was also a sheet of ice, <laughs> but it quickly thawed and it actually ended up being like 30 degrees, 32 degrees. And it was very safe and was very salted. And I think out of all six races, those are my favorite pictures because I mean, they just look like badasses. They're running on this path. You can see the, you know, steam coming out of their mouth. The city frozen mm-hmm. as heck um, is in the background. And again, it's like that. Yeah, I did that. And then the, um, the medals are, we did acrylic ones and had them custom made by one of our members. And it was a snowflake. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was definitely my favorite medal too. And everyone completely geeked out by it, but it was kind of the ultimate badge. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we got lucky with a quick pivot on that one. <laughs> so it sounds like you like helping people um, discover that they too are stronger than they thought they were. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's probably up there with my coaching mantra. It's <laughs> a great point. Um, I'm wondering if um, uh, a big part of running in all kinds of weather is a, a reframing of the outlook on the situation. So like they people... Um, don't mind as much once they have sort of like an attitude adjustment? Yep, absolutely. I mean, again, I didn't fully embrace or say how much I loved winter running until I had one of our athletes at edge tell me this winter running is my favorite. And I remember being like, well, why? And she rattled off some of the reasons that I've told to you guys. Mm -hmm. And she was right. And we have an employee now that she had no winter gear no winter gear, never saw herself as an endurance athlete. And last fall, she's like, Oh, I'm going to go out, but I don't have enough. You know, I don't have a jacket. I'm like, Oh, I have an extra jacket. You can just have it. I have way too much gear. And now winter running is her favorite season. Mm. I'm like, wow, if we can just keep kind of teaching each other that and having that ripple effect, then we create year round, really hardy runners, which nothing makes me crazier than when people get wildly out of shape and they don't have to. Um, and also it's just, it's just a really special, it's a special time to be able to, to rack up some miles because mm. no one else is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a winter temperature or, or weather condition that will actually keep you indoors or force you to the treadmill? I'm, I'm thinking maybe if everything is covered in ice, but is there ice? Yeah, I guess ice would be, um, you know, at edge, we always say we've never canceled the run, mm. not once. Mm. Um, so I think one of the, one of the pictures I was looking at, it's, us on trail, all holding our hands as a zero because it was zero degrees. <laughs> uh -huh. Um, and also I don't have that many pictures of a lot of our really trepid runs because everything freezes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like our phones aren't going <laughs> to stay on, right. There's no pictures being taken. I can't, I don't want to bring my foot, my hand out of my, you know, out of my mitten to take a picture. Uh -huh. Um, so yeah, ice would be one that we would probably reconsider. Chicago is really great though. We're right by the 606. Our gym is right by the 606, which is kind of like the High Line in Manhattan. Mm. And it's almost always very well salted. And then the lakefront path is as well. Um, extreme cold. Once we actually did uh, push our run back from, I think, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. because it was going to be like negative five, which is very cold for Chicago. These, these are not normal temperatures. Um, but yeah, it was like their 14 miler. It was like a peak week for there's a winter or there was a winter half marathon here in Chicago. That was really popular. And I was like, well, I can't have you guys out for like two hours <laughs> and make it a five. So let's start at 10. Um, but then we have all these funny rules when they come back into edge, because we have like a big recovery lounge, with a fireplace and big tufted leather chairs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have doctors and nurses as members. And, you know, they told us early on, like, if, if it's that cold, you actually don't want people going straight into a shower, mm -hmm. even if that's what they're craving. Mm -hmm. So have them come in and then 10 to 15 minutes, have them stand around by the fireplace and kind of thaw out. Mm -hmm. And then once their 10 minute timer is up, then they can actually, you know, go in the shower and, you know, get in the ice bath or whatever it is they're going to be doing to recover. But um, just those little flow things, it's just funny, but they, they are like, so proud of it. They're like, Oh, my 10 minutes is up. I'm ready to shower. No, no. no. <laughs> What's the thinking? Is it too much a shock to the system? To yeah. It's that your, your skin is pretty chapped. Mm. I mean, you guys know if you take, you know, your pants off, even if you have like two pairs of pants on, mm -hmm. I mean, you're still pretty pink. Mm -hmm. So just letting that dermal layer truly kind of 
warm back up mm. before you put really hot water on mm. it. Cause you know, none of them are taking anything other than a hot shower. At that point. <laughs> yes. You saying that someone takes an ice bath. I'm like, Oh, that is a hardy individual. My goodness. <sighs> they do. They do. Yeah. They're really good about it. They're really, really good about it. And we give them coffee when they're in there. So they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so when you do run outside and there, you know, snow or ice or slush or whatever, do you, um, do you use anything for traction? Yeah. Good question. So I, I love trail shoes mm. just in general. I like that they have wider toe boxes. I love that they have heavier lugs. I love that you can find really great waterproof models. So, uh, we actually have an entire fleet of um, Pegasus trails that our runners can borrow if they don't have anything. Mm. Otherwise we heavily suggest that they get trail shoes for winter because there's no reason not to in a city. You're going to need the traction at some point when it gets really bad. Um, I'll put micro spikes on, mm -hmm. but I mean, it has to be pretty gnarly for that. Cause you can't do really anything on pavement with it. So you gotta be getting pretty, pretty lumpy, icy stuff to make those count. But yeah, usually trail shoes honestly are enough. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, here in Portland, Oregon, we get a lot of freezing rain on top of snow. So I find that I wear, um, you know, micro spike type, you know, or Catula or whatever, I, mm -hmm. I dare say, I don't remember what brand I have. Um, I wear them a fair bit and I, I wear them on, um, pavement because we also get a lot of black ice and that man, it, you go from being upright to being sprawled out. Say, yeah. mean, it, it just happens in the blink of an eye. And it's like, oh yeah, that could have been prevented by wearing some, some spiky things on my shoes. People don't do that here. Oh. I, it's a great point. You know, we, the city is really good about salt. Yeah, and I think we don't have that. Helps. Yeah. There's salt is not you like not used at all out here. Um, they'll occasionally, occasionally spread sand, but yeah, salt is not hearing you talk all about the salt use. I'm like, Oh, right. That's what they did when I was growing up in Connecticut. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, not it, it eats right through it. Or if it's icy and then it snows on top, then you have a little bit of grip. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, all right. So I want to get some layering advice from you. You talked about yeah. how, you know, this morning you, you didn't quite get it right. Um, cause I, I run super hot and maybe I'm unique that way, but I, a lot of runners I see are overdressed. Like, um, we typically go to the twin cities marathon expo every year in October, you know, so there it is in Minnesota. And I see these Minnesotans just dressed to me looking like they're wearing everything they own. Yeah. And I'm just thinking people it's October. Like what, if you're wearing that much in October, what, what steps can you take to stay warmer in October? you know, December, January. Yeah. What else do you uh, have to put on? Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, you know, what's, what's your take on layering? I think in general, it's really, it is really, really personal. I'm like you like sitting still right now. I've got like a wool base layer, like comfy sweatpants and just regular socks on. Uh -huh. Like I'm pretty chilly said being sedentary, but as soon as I start to move my body around, I will, I'm like a baby inferno. Um, <laughs> But then, you know, I have like an athlete who he like, you know, is bald. So he like shaves his head all the way down mm -hmm. and he regularly is wearing two more layers than I am oh. in the pool because he doesn't have hair. Right. <laughs> so for him, he needs like extra insulation because he's losing so much heat out of his head. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is very, it's very, very personal. Um, my biggest thing is just not being wet. And that I think applies to everybody. So starting at the head, you know, having, 
I don't like having a huge hat on. Some people love it. It looks really cute. Not gonna lie. I just get too hot. Um, but having like a wicking buff, you know, that will cover my ears is really important. I also have like a, a Nike, like running hat that has ear flaps that come down mm. that are sort of, cause I like to protect ears for sure. Cause they will ring, um, on your core, making sure that your base layer is wicking and has for me, wool usually works the best. Yep. Yep. And then if it's really cold, I'll do a vest on top of that. So I really like, I work for Nike and coach for them. So like, uh-huh. I'm very much in that silo, uh-huh. but they have great aero swift oh, aero loft um, vests that are really lightweight, but really warm. And then also breathable. They have kind of these like pockets or these like holes that allow your body heat to come out. Uh-huh. So they don't get wet and heavy. Uh-huh. And then outer layer Oh, that one depends. I typically need something a little bit more breathable because again, I don't want my arms to get wet. I don't want my back to get wet, but if it's really cold, I mean like really, really cold, I will wear, I have one Nike jacket. I call it my trash bag. Um, it is not a running jacket. It is definitely like a lifestyle jacket. Yeah. It looks like a running jacket, but it is completely waterproof. Like it has like like the heat seams uh-huh, on it uh-huh. and it's like shiny inside, like a plastic garbage bag, mm-hmm. but I can't go long in it, but it will block anything. And that's what I wear in like really bad rain too. Cause it'll keep me really dry. Um, and then on the bottom, I'll typically do a compression short mm. on as my base layer, which is really not that different than a guy who wears, you know, like boxer briefs uh-huh. underneath tights. Yeah. And I find that that and compression socks really help keep that circulatory pattern Mm. happening, Mm -hmm. right. And keeps me a little bit warmer. And then I don't really need that thick of a tight on top of it. If I'm rocking that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love you saying wearing two, you mentioned wearing two pairs of tights earlier. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's something you just don't do here in Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) Some people do it. The problem with it is that sometimes if they're not like the right textures, you will like be losing your outer tight. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 You need to t- t- just keep t- shifting down. Yeah. Tie that weight, that draw cord really tight. Yeah. Hey, Sarah, what's the coldest weather you run in, in Portland? Huh, in Portland. Um, I think we got to, tw- I think about 15 maybe, but that was extremely rare. Um, I mean, that's really low for there. It is. I mean, when we get below freezing, it's kind of high twenties usually, and that's not for all that long. Yeah. It's, um, and we get a lot of, we get, we have a lot of weather in the forties here. That's great running weather. Yeah, yeah. It, it is great running weather. Yes. It's fast running weather. That's good for speed work. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Robin. So we're now we're going to do a cold weather lightning round. Ready? Yep. Okay. Your one must have piece of gold, cold weather gear. Your one piece that's the most important. Wool base layer. Hmm. Advice on keeping a handheld water bottle from freezing. Oh, that's a hard one. Keep it in your jacket. Mm, Good answer. (laughs) Um, Okay. You mentioned that um, the snow can be very bright. So sunglasses, how do you keep them from fogging up? Mine never do. I think I just wear good ones. That's a, that's another really great question. It was a problem when we had to run in masks for sure, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think we're dry enough here that it actually, I don't fog very much. And I am a vampire. <laughs> like I cannot see um, in sun at all. So even if it's going to fog, I'm still going to keep them on because I will just be blinded. <laughs> so actually, I got, I'm going to change my answer. I use ski brand ones. Oh. 
And I do think that those work better overall. Oh, huh, huh. All right. Um, so let's shift to a type of weather I'm very familiar with. Uh, that's rain. Um, and I have to tell an anecdote. I think I've told it on the podcast before, but it's one of my favorites that I was running the 2017, again, the Twin Cities Marathon, and I was waiting in line and it was for the porta potty and it started to, I would say sprinkle. It wasn't even really rain. And, and I, a couple of Minnesotan runners recognized me and they were like, oh my gosh, Sarah, you're totally used to this. Oh, I can't stand rain. I'd much rather run when it's 20 below zero than in the rain. And I just looked at them. I'm like, that's why you live here and I live in Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, so Robin, you know, what are your thoughts on, as we say here in Portland, uh, liquid sunshine? Um, I prefer snow. Mm. I mean, if I get to choose (laughs) snows, you know, it's just prettier coming down, but I think you've got to stay moving like for rain to be advantageous. You can't get cold. Mm -hmm. And the key to that is just not, not letting that heart rate get too, too low. And when you're done getting dry clothes off. Oh yes. Right. A lot of that discomfort is because people are just kind of standing around and being soggy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stripping down and getting anything dry, even if it means not showering. Like we have that problem when we go to trail here, if we get soaked on trail, I mean, I have like new comfy bra, mm-hmm. you know, something nice and dry, usually two layers on top. And then again, like comfy sweatpants, brand new socks, and it's life-changing. Yeah. But you you, you got to get out of that. You got to get out of that wet sports bra ASAP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And rain too, a lot of it, when people are uncomfortable, it's because they honestly, they don't have the right headwear, mm-hmm. you know, so many runners I'm like, put on a freaking visor or a hat. <laughs> and they're like, that was so much better. I'm like, yeah, because you're not squinting against yeah. these raindrops that are hitting you in your eyeballs. Like, it's actually really beautiful. It's kind of like standing under a porch and watching things drip off of your bill. Right. Uh, and again, it makes you feel triumphant and like a badass. And during COVID during total lockdown, like the initial, like two to three month lockdown, you know, it was very weird running in a big city. Like we, you felt guilty doing it, even if you kept a mask on and it was just odd, but you also just still needed to get out there. And we quickly learned that if you went out when it was raining, Mm -hmm it was liberating. Mm. Like there weren't people out. You didn't feel as guilty. It, you could, you know, kind of own the sidewalks, own the streets a little bit more. And I would say I probably fell more in love with rainy running then because it just, it provided us with this almost like relief of, you know, just that runner's guilt that we had during that time. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Sarah's in Portland where it rains all the time. So she's used to it, but I, I'm in New Jersey and it doesn't rain all the time. And in fact, I'll look at the weather report and like plan my training week around the days that's going to run. Those will be my rain. The days is going to rain. It's going to be my off day. Um, because, uh, I, you know, it's like, I don't mind running in rain if I'm out there running already and it starts raining, but like getting out, like when I look outside the door, I have a little dog who's like this, you know, like it, it's like if she sticks her head out and she sees it's rainy, she like, whoa, pulls her head back in and goes, uh-uh, I'm not going out there. <laughs> Don't be, you're better than that. I believe in you. You can get out there. I think that's honestly where you, you got to group up with people, right? Like for me, if I've made a commitment to run with people or um, I coach the wind runners, which is a Nike sub elite development team here in Chicago, mm. we'll have like really bad 
you usually practice at like 5.30 in the morning and, you know, they're looking at the forecast. They're like, hey, coach, it's going to be, you know, really heavy rains. And I'm like, okay, like it could rain on race day. (laughs) I'll be out there with you. I'll have that heat sealed jacket on that I told you guys about. (laughs) And, you know, I'll stand on there. My stopwatch still works. Good news. My Garmin still works. It's waterproof. Uh And, you know, people do very well when they are wanting to be accountable to each other. And I think that that's the only reason that most people get out in the rain. Yeah. And I've said it before on this podcast. I think it always seems like it's raining harder. Totally true. When you're inside your house, it seems like it's raining much harder outside than when you get out there and you're like, huh, it's really, it's kind of intermittent rain. It's not steady rain right now. And no, that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I saw a meme on Instagram recently with a quote from Ultraman Dean Carnassus, and it was a photo of him running in heavy rain and it read a difficult run introduces you to yourself. So any thoughts on this quote in relation to weather challenges? Yeah. I, again, I think running is really, and, and doing anything outside and doing hard things, especially as adult athletes, right? We always say this is collective elective suffering. Mm. There's a big, it's a big deal to do this stuff as adult (laughs) athletes. We pay to do this. We pay to suffer, to prove to ourselves, to everyone around us, but most importantly to ourselves, kind of what we're made of. So when you can have those moments of, I did that, I mean, that's the stuff that we put in our pocket and we can draw on. No one remembers the perfect weather you have in the spring. (laughs) Right. Or they might, they might remember for a little bit, but think about your most memorable runs are usually the ones where you conquered something really hard Mm -hmm. and it just matters more. Yeah. Yeah. And it just really impacts what your psyche is of what you're able to do and that you're the type of person who goes out and does these things. And yeah. it's always a great thing to have done. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, exactly. That's exactly what yes. I was saying. When everybody, you know, it's school pickup or whatever is griping about, you just kind of sit there smugly thinking, yeah, I ran six miles in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did it. I did it. Yeah. yeah. So this is all putting me in the mind of that, that famous saying that there's no such thing as bad running weather. There's just bad gear. Mm. Yep. <laughs> and and Bill Bowerman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh you mentioned, I think you mentioned a jacket that you like to use for um for running in the rain. So tell us a little bit about your wet weather gear advice. Yeah, wet weather top down. Um, and this is one that I will definitely use that 20 degree rule on because when it's wet, a lot of times I will think, oh, I need to bundle up. And then I'm just running with a bunch of wet, heavy clothes. Like why the hell did I wear this vest? So I will, you know, be like, oh, it's, you know, 50 out. Okay. I'm going to dress like it's 70. Right. So on top, always a hat or something, you know, a visor, Mm -hmm. if just to, so again, vampire for sun, but also I don't like rain in my face. And I think, you know, if you're hit in the face by a bunch of, of anything, you know, whether it's snow or sneed, sleet or rain, you, you do clench, you know, mm-hmm. and squint and that affects your entire run form. So always having head options, um, on top, you know, it kind of depends. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't wear something super thick ever if it was raining, because again, you're just going to be running in heavy, uh, simple base layer, like simple laser cut shirt. I'm always kind of a fan of if it's not too cold out, I might just go out in that with some arm warmers. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I might throw on a long sleeve on top of a short sleeve. Mm-hmm. I keep it simple. And 
I will use, um, like gloves that kind of peel my, you know, peel back and show my fingers. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you, Sarah, where I get really hot and my hands get hot, mm-hmm. but I still want to have the option to cover my knuckles. So mm-hmm. I'll use those in the rain a lot because, you know, if they get too soggy, I can stuff them in a pocket. Um, and then yeah, bottom is just anything that's not going to chafe. Mm-hmm. So I, because I grew up as a ballerina swimmer, I like all my clothes painted on me. <laughs> um, so I will always opt for like a spandex tight, um, or, you know, a short that, you know, isn't going to move mm-hmm. when it gets, especially when it gets wet. Cause you gotta be careful about that and socks, mm-hmm. not too thick. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just going to get squishy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that your recommendation didn't necessarily include a jacket because I think that's the, I mean, you mentioned your one jacket that's like super not breathable, but it does keep you dry. But I don't really, you know, all these companies say, oh, it's breathable. It totally, you know, lets the air move and you don't overheat. I'm sorry. There's really no jacket that's going to keep you dry. It's impossible. Yeah. And, and I just, you're, you're going to get wet. So I don't make it worse by feeling like you're in a terrarium. Right. And that's where I like, I'll do that double shirt sometimes where that way I know my core is going to be a little bit warmer Mm -hmm. and my arms might be a little cooler, which is just how I like Uh it. Right. But Uh like you said, you're going to get wet either way. Yeah. Yeah. And having all those clothes be like close fitting, like your tights and the close fitting shirt, because that way it's not going to get heavy and flap around in Uh the wind with the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause (laughs) this summer, you guys just reminded me, I had a really I don't know why I had to do like 22 miles in the city. Like I had a weird week and I don't usually run if I'm training for long trail, I won't do it in the city, but I did. And it dumped and it was very, very hot and humid. Mm -hmm. And I got home, I was wearing this tank and it's a little looser fitting than I would like, but you know, it's what was clean and that's fine. (laughs) And I got home and I look at myself as I walk past like our living room mirror, I'm like, what the hell am I wearing? (laughs) And it had gotten so heavy that it was almost past my shorts that I was wearing. <laughs> tunic. And I like, right, yeah, and I didn't even know what I had on. I was like, is this mine? Like, did I like wear like one of Brian's shirts this whole time? And I don't know it. And I just, I didn't even know that shirt could get so big. And yet another reason why you got to go tight. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. So I can handle cold and I can totally deal with the wet, but wind is my nemesis. <laughs> so as someone who lives in the windy city, which I know is a political nickname, but um, it, do- oh, it's windy, it does get windy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, what's your take on running in windy conditions? Uh, I think you can almost always do it. You know, for us, sometimes our limiter is if the wind is coming from the East, you know, we lose our lakefront path because the waves will come up over Uh, our path. mm. And then you you just got to run in the city, right? Mm -hmm. Run in the city streets. Uh, One of those things, I think it's really well done in groups. So, you know, we do teach our runners how to draft and we teach them how to rotate. We teach them how to communicate. Um, I always say like, if you're running as an individual, you know, be that wedge of cheese so that your (laughs) arms are kind of almost making like a V in front of you, uh, when you're getting really blown to pieces again, not wearing super baggy stuff. Cause it will just become a parachute. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're running with a group, you know, creating that same V almost like, you know, how geese fly where the person in the front is pulling and then you're saving, you know, 20 to 30% by tucking behind. I did a a marathon once at Virginia beach and it was terrible. (laughs) Definitely the worst marathon weather I've ever had. It was like 37 degrees. They had snow at Virginia beach, snow, sleet, (laughs) rain. It was absolutely terrible. And it's, you know, it's a very flat course. It's, it's kind of like an out and back. You basically go into the, you go one direction for like 11 and a half, 12 miles straight. 
of course it was right into these like gale force winds. Oh boy. These pace groups were fantastic uh. at drafting, at creating shapes. The pacers, you know, called out, you know, one person in the front, two people behind, three people behind, four people behind that. And then they would call out every half mile to rotate. Wow. It was awesome. It was like this whole coordinated dance and it was feasible. And, you know, we were able to hit the goal pace and stay safe, even with that kind of 11 mile haul. So true testament to the group. Um, but yeah, wind, wind will grate on your soul. <laughs> That's one of those that you're like, come on. But you know that when you turn around, it's going to be like a giant hand is pushing your back. Oh. Right. Right. So, so is, that, is that the rule, Robin? I can never remember this. Are you supposed to, cause I'm a solo runner. I'm not going to have anybody to draft behind when I'm out on a run, but are you supposed to run into the wind first and then turn around and have it push you back? So it depends on if you want like the mean coach or the nice coach for me. Um, the mean coach would say sweaty and cold too. Oh, I never take that into into account. I always think kind of, where are they in the season? Like, are their legs really dead? Are they injured? If someone feels fresh, then I would actually probably have them do it the harder way Mm. so that they are, um, you know, easier in the beginning and harder in the end. So into the wind in the end, as long as it's not like a crazy shift in pace. Um, otherwise, if you're, if you're being a little kinder or you have a big build, or maybe, you know, they're during taper, I would flip it to where their beginning miles are into the wind. And then we flip it. So it's finishing at the back. So the, we let up a little bit of that load. Hmm. That's intriguing. You're just full of good advice and experience, Robin. That is what happens when you live in Siberia. <laughs> you have no choice but to acclimate, especially when I'm convincing like hundreds of people, hundreds of people a year to do it with me. Like I better have some things to say. And our coaching staff, honestly, they're like exactly the same. You know, they're all about like, let's get out. Let's see what we can do. Um, nothing makes me happier than really terrible weather and like the biggest, baddest smiles that you could ever imagine after. Oh my goodness. Shiberia. I have heard many nicknames for Chicago <laughs> and that is a new one for me. You are fabulous. Thank you so much for talking with us, Robin. Thanks so much for having me on. Happy trails, guys. Thanks. Well, I just love her get out there and do it and feel badass attitude. So Sarah, what's the coldest temperature you have ever run in? Oh, I'd have to think of where I've been. I mean, immediately jumps to mind is running in my early days of running at Colgate University, which is in central New York. Mm, that sounds uh, cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I lived in Boston for, for the Boston area for four years. So I've, I've, you know, I used to love winter cycling. I used to love riding my mountain bike in the snow. Wow. Um, yeah. How about you, Tish? What's the coldest? I I don't think I've been, I know I've run when it's been zero, but I don't think I've been below zero. I mean, that's real temperature, not like the real feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just remember, um, at Colgate, we had a lot of precipitation. Um, so I definitely remember a lot of snow and kind of small ice particles flying in my face, getting (laughs) frozen eyelashes. And that was definitely, I mean, I had so much enthusiasm gosh, just un, unbridled. Um, and I just would go out there and it was, it was that feeling of being exceptionally badass. Yeah. Yeah, for and, sure. And that's, it's almost addictive that feeling, yeah. you know? <laughs> so now that we've talked about all the bad weather, I know you're going to have great weather 
for the New York City Marathon. So you you go and get that number 10. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you on the flip side. Sounds good. All right. Well, if you, um, I hope you're fired up for running in the winter, but if not, we do have a program that's free that is workouts every day in the month of December. And we have dubbed it Joy to the Run. It's a free program. We're opening for registration in about a week. It's definitely a keep moving forward training plan for all of December. Um, you know, cause I realize even the most dedicated people sometimes can get sidelined by holiday demands and winter weather, but oh no, this plan includes creative, clever workouts for every day in December. Like I said, the plan is free. We are however, asking for donations, which will all go to the nonprofit back on my feet, which is now in 14 cities nationwide and that organization combats homelessness. So, um, please join us for joy to the run registration opens the week of November 15. You can find out all the details and sign up for this free program at anothermotherrunner.com under the training tab. And again, that'll open on November 15th. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from sounds like pictures, whose wedding I am so looking forward to on November 13th. Um, many happy miles. Thank you.